reading from the gospel according to Mark. <clears throat> yeah, it's allergy season. <clears throat> I'll start over. A reading from the gospel according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that's a fun word to say, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and the other one at your left in glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the other ten heard this, they became angry with James and John. So Jesus called all the disciples together and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. No, actually, that would be the gospel of the Lord. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long day. I absolutely love this reading from our gospel today. It is a masterfully written wisdom story, one that reads us more than we read it. As we listened just now, most of us were probably oblivious to the fact that Mark was toying with us. He was setting us up. As you were listening to it, if you realized that Mark was trying to trick you, you've probably deciphered the meaning of this whole story. On the other hand, if you had no idea that you were being duped, well, I hate to break it to you, but you've been duped. (laughs) This story reminds me of my Baptist days as a teenager, when the youth pastor would throw pizza parties to get other teenagers inside the church building, bribing kids with pizza, right? And once all of the youths had started stuffing their faces full of pizza, the youth pastor would get up and start evangelizing everybody. The old bait-and-switch trick, right? (laughs) You showed up just wanting to fill your belly with pizza, but you left with a heart full of Jesus. (laughs) This gospel story also reminds me of an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, you just thought the movie was about a little boy who sees dead people? But spoiler alert, as it turns out, Bruce Willis has been a ghost the entire time. What? Talk about a plot twist. And if you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. Just know that it probably motivated a lot of kids to accept Jesus into their hearts as their personal Lord and Savior in the late 90s and early 2000s, right? (laughs) 
These youths wanted to do whatever they could to ward off evil spirits, and they didn't want the ghost of Bruce Willis haunting them for the rest of their lives. So yeah, they accepted Jesus. And you just thought that this whole gospel story was about a couple of conceited disciples seeking to elevate themselves in glory. That is, until you realized that Mark has made this whole story about you. The old bait-and-switch trick. Talk about a plot twist. So James and John, they come up to Jesus and they say, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now that open, opening line, that just makes you cringe, doesn't it? Like you're already off to a bad start here, guys. I mean, if any of my parishioners were to come up to me and say, Father, I want you to do for me whatever I ask of you, they shouldn't be surprised if I respond by saying, Have you ever considered becoming Baptist? I hear they throw lovely pizza parties. <laughs> But Jesus is far more gracious than I would be. And he asks what what these two want him to do for them. Grant us to sit on both sides of you as you enter into your glory, they say. Essentially, these two disciples believe that they have earned the right to be elevated in status above Jesus' other disciples in God's kingdom come. They believe that they are somehow in some way more special that they truly get what Jesus' whole project is all about, whereas the others, not so much, right? And Jesus simply responds by saying that this is not a request that he can grant. It's not for him to say who can sit at his right and at his left in glory. Now, at this point, the other disciples understandably become agitated by what these two guys have requested. And Jesus uses the opportunity to have a teaching moment with all of them. You know those politicians, those tyrants who elevate themselves above others and rule over people? Yeah, don't be like them. Don't imitate them. Don't power grab. Don't make your lives all about how you can become great, how great you can become. It's not about that. Rather, the greatest amongst you will be a servant of all. Now, allow me to reframe the story just a little bit to bring it into sharper focus. James and John come up to Jesus and say, Master, make us great. Jesus responds by saying that greatness is not something that can be given. It's something that must be earned. And in order to become great, you must stop trying to be great. You will never be great by elevating yourselves over others, in seeking to achieve greatness, right? Instead, seek to make the lives of those around you great. And that's the thing that will make you ultimately a great person. Now, I know what you're thinking. How has this passage tricked me? How has Mark duped me? Like, I already have all of this figured out. I haven't been duped. I know that it's all about being humble and not seeking to elevate myself over other people. I know this. But how did you land on that conclusion? O pious and humble Christian. More to the point, what was your gut reaction 
to the request of James and John. Well, clearly they don't deserve to sit at Jesus' right and left in glory because they don't get it. They don't get that it's all about being humble and not flattering one's ego. I'm glad that I get it though, right? I'm glad that I can see so clearly the heart of Jesus' teaching here. Jesus, I'm glad that I get what your whole project is all about, and I humbly ask that you help me to be a better Christian than these two gentlemen. (laughs) You've been duped. (laughs) The moment you pass judgment on these two disciples and what they've requested, you've passed judgment on yourself. You have become them in so many ways, right? Talk about a plot twist. This tactic that Mark uses to bait us in and telling us this story, it's very reminiscent of a story that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke. Two men go up to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The tax collector, the so-called sinner, he won't even go into the temple, but he stands outside and he humbly prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But the Pharisee, the religious leader, he goes in and he thanks God that he is not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. He even thanks God that he's not like the tax collector. Now, most of us in response to that story, we start off by not wanting to end up like the Pharisee, right? So we identify ourselves more and more with the tax collector. We believe we're the tax collector in that story, But we identify with him so much so that we eventually become grateful that we are more like the tax collector than the Pharisee. And the very second that we have this thought, though, we've actually become the Pharisee. The moment you become thankful that you're not like the guy who is thankful that he is not like other people, you've become him. (laughs) God, I thank you that I'm not like James and John, that I see so clearly that it's not about elevating myself above other people. God, I thank you that I'm not as prideful as the Pharisee and that I'm such a humble person. (laughs) Jesus, I want you to do for me whatever I ask of you. Make me a better Christian than other hypocritical and judgmental Christians. I don't want to be like them. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And here you thought reading the Bible was boring. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. My friends, the path to greatness does not consist of separating ourselves from others because of their shortcomings. It's not about highlighting our virtues in the presence of anyone's vices. Rather, greatness has found us once we begin to recognize our own shortcomings in the shortcomings of others, our own inner suffering in their inner suffering. The person who will be greatest amongst us is the person who sees her own human brokenness in the brokenness of all. And she responds with compassion. She realizes that the real problem is not other people's actions but that the real problem is her judgment of those people's action. 